an opening with prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this evening. If anybody else is on the way, we ask you to bring them quickly. We ask you to bless this time as we look at your word and study what you'd have us to see from this uh, chapter in Leviticus. And we just ask your guidance in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Leviticus chapter 17. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons and unto the children of Israel, and say to them, This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded, saying, What man soever there be of the house of Israel that kills an ox or lamb or goat in the camp, or, or that killeth it, kills it outside the camp, and brings it not unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation to offer an offering unto the Lord before the tabernacle of the Lord, blood shall be imputed unto that man, he has shed blood, and that man shall be cut off from among his people. To the end that the children of Israel may bring their sacrifices, which they offer in the open field, even that they may bring them unto the Lord, unto the door of the tabernacle, and to the priest, to offer them for a peace offering unto the Lord. And the priest shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar of the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and burn the fat for a sweet savor unto the Lord. I'm going to stop there for the moment. So this is... Uh, we're starting to look into some rules for their daily living. And it says, Speak unto Aaron and, the son, and his sons and to all the children of Israel and say, This is the thing that the Lord hath commanded. So they're letting them know this is from God. It's not just you know, words. So they want to know. And it says, What's, What man soever there be of the house of Israel that kills an ox, lamb, or goat in the field, in the camp, or kills it outside the camp? This word for kill is to kill with the purpose to sacrifice. Okay, this just isn't they kill for food. This is literally they're killing in order to sacrifice. And what they're doing now is that all the time in, in, in Genesis, you'll note that Noah made offerings, Cain and Abel made offerings, Abraham made offerings, Isaac, Jacob. You know, we see people just making offerings on their own, and they're now starting to, God's starting to say, any offering to him has to be done through the tabernacle. Okay, at his altar. You couldn't just make an offering to God anywhere that you wanted. And God is applying some rules to his people. Uh, and this is, this is where we get this whole idea from people saying, well, I can worship God on the mountain. I don't have to come to church. They're, they are absolutely right. But God has ordained his church to be a place for the believers to gather together and worship. That means we can worship anywhere, but he also has the statement that he says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Because this, the body of Christ gathering together, which is the church, it's not coming to this building, it's not coming here, but it's gathering together as two or three to, to lift up his name and to learn. And God is saying here, you can't just go out and sacrifice anywhere you want. You can't build your own altars anymore. I have a place, and it's the tabernacle. <laughs> and so this is what he's saying. You, you know, if you kill that, kill that sacrificial animal in the camp or even outside the camp, you have to bring it to the tabernacle in order to sacrifice it. And it says, if you don't bring it to the door of the tabernacle or the congregation to offer or present in this, in this particular offer, unto the Lord before the tabernacle, blood shall be imputed to that man that is shed blood, and the man shall be cut off from among his people. And blood to God is a very, very serious issue that we want to look at. Uh, when you killed the animal for a sacrifice, that animal gave its life for 
your life. Okay? All the way back at the very first sacrifice when God killed the animals to clothe Adam and Eve, that animal gave its life so that Adam and Eve could be covered with the, the skin and cover their nakedness and the blood was shed for their forgiveness. And so the blood is a very big deal to God. And we look at this blood all through the scriptures is important. All the way up through Jesus' blood, which is the final actual blood that saves us. Everything else before that was a symbol of the blood that saves us. And even to this day, Jesus' blood is what covers our sins. He is, his blood is what allows us to be made perfect. His blood is the whole picture of salvation. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And Jesus was going to be this. And this sacrifice is a so precious to God. When Cain slew his brother and the blood hit the ground, God said that your brother's blood cries out to him. All through, you know, in many places in, in Psalms, God talks about the blood crying out to him. That he will not take the blood of the guiltless and not ignore it. Uh, he will respond and, 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 and bring judgment upon those who, who shed innocent blood. Blood is so important to God because it represents, and we're going to look at this, the life of the body. It is where life is, is stored. It is without, without blood, we would die. And the more we study blood in, in chemistry and biology, the blood is amazing in what it does. You know, blood, when it hits the, the, the lungs, the iron in the blood instantly oxidizes and rusts. And then it gets to the cells and it instantly reverses the process okay and we can't even figure that part out because we would love to be able to take our metal and be able to reverse the oxidation process and make it back to pure metal and yet God does that thousands of times in our body every day and it's an amazing process what God has done and it says that when you shed that blood you must shed it for the purpose of sacrifice it must be brought to the tabernacle. There's a way to do it. You cannot just go out and make your offerings yourself. And that is the same way for us. For us to get to heaven, the only way to get through heaven is to come to Jesus and his blood given on the cross, the the, right above the temple mount, shed for, shed for our sins. The only way. And it has to be done at the right place and the right coming to Christ. And this is why salvation is an important aspect for us. Hmm? You're number six, right? Uh, four. Four. The blood. And, and, you know, the blood is in every single idolatry worship. Was blood was brought in. Satan has tried to usurp it and shed blood and, and in the wrong ways and use the wrong blood. And we'll see how God restricts that as we go on. Verse 5, to the end that the children of Israel may bring their sacrifices, which they offer in the open field, even that they may bring them unto the Lord, to the door of the tabernacle, and to the congregation, and offer them there for a peace offering unto the Lord. Okay, and what is the peace offering? That was the celebration with God. Oh, okay. They get to share with God. They, they brought the sacrifice in. They would kill it. They would burn the the kidneys and the fat and, and all of that. The priest would get a portion of it. The people would get a portion of it. They, they'd, they'd wave it in fellowship and then they would be able to eat it. 
So there was a thanksgiving sacrifice. It was a celebration with God, okay? And the peace offering, the peace offering, celebration with God, or, or you might even look at it, you know, one pastor called it a picnic with God, okay? Which takes it a little far, a little far, but it, it makes the point. You, 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 God gets his portion, the priest gets his portion, and you get your portion. And remember that if it was a thanksgiving offering, you had one day to eat it. And if it was a fulfillment of a vow, you had two days to eat it. Okay, so it had a time limit on how, how, much, how quickly you had to eat this offering. All right? So we want to keep this in remembrance. The peace offering is, is that celebration with God. And that's, that is the one that people brought a lot to God because it was a way to celebrate with him. All right. In verse 6, And the priest shall sprinkle the blood on the altar of the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and burn the fat for a sweet savor unto the Lord. And they shall no more offer their sacrifice unto devils after whom they have gone a-whoring. This is the statute forever to them throughout all the generations. Okay, so again, this, this verse 6 is just a description of what the priest did with that offering. Remember, they, they would take the blood and they would sprinkle it, not in the holy place, or the Holy of Holies, but on the altar, okay? And the brass altar was outside the, the door to the tabernacle, and they would burn the, the, burn the fat on the tabernacle, and they'd sprinkle it. And then it gets into this very interesting verse in 7. And they shall no more offer their sacrifice unto devils. Okay, and this is kind of an interesting statement because this tends to make me believe that the children of Israel, even though they had left uh, Egypt were still not completely dedicated to God. They were still making sacrifices to these other deities because specifically this word for devils is wood demons or what the Greeks would later on call satires. Uh, the half goat, half man that were, were linked to trees. Okay? And so these were wood demons is what, is what they were sacrificing to. Very prevalent in Egypt. And so it's very much showing that the Israelites, even though now they're somewhere, they're, they're approximately a year because this is going to be a very short time and they're going to go on, on to the prom, wandering to the promised land. Here outside of Egypt, they're still not fully dedicated to God. God's given them manna every morning, manna every night. He's given a, uh, have we got to quill yet? Anyway, no, we haven't got to quill yet. Uh, but he's given them manna every morning, every night. He's given them water in the middle of the deserts so that there shouldn't be. Uh, he's given them the shade of the cloud at night uh, during the day and the fire to keep them warm at night. And yet there are people, obviously, according to this verse, still worshiping idols. And we saw that when Moses came down from the mountain with the, the tablets, the people had immediately gone to worship a golden calf and a golden calf was a big religious uh, ceremony in Egypt. So they're following Egyptian ways. They've been doing it a long time. Well, they've been doing it for a couple hundred years, so they, they are, it, it was ingrained in them. Uh, they should have been following God for all that time, and yet they did. They, to a degree, they did, but they had, mm -hmm. been, they had been infiltrated with Egyptian way of thought. So they were doing away it half and half. They were doing it half and half. They were going, okay, well, we're going to worship this God that's given us all this, but we're going to cover our bases with these other gods. And, you know, the sad thing is we as Christians oftentimes do the yeah. same thing. You know, we're going to worship God, but 
I got to do all this stuff on my own. I've got to go and make as much money as I can. I got to do things the world's way. I've got to cheat people to get, get what I want. I'm not going to do it God's way. And we all do it in certain areas of our life. Maybe not all the areas of our life, but we kind of have areas in our life that we do not fully worship God. Even though we watch all the blessings that he brings us, all the good things that he gives us, and yet we will sometimes, quite often, not support him the way we should. And this is what the children of Israel are doing. Hmm? That's not good. No, it's not good. And then it says, not only were they offering the sacrifice unto the de these, devil these devils, after whom they've gone a-whoring. And that's a strong word of, for prostitution of themselves. And unfortunately, it is more literal than anything else. It's not just leaving God for other gods, which is part of that going, going whoring, because God said that he was Israel's husband and that they were his wife. Okay, so when they've like gone... Gomer and... Uh, um Gomer and Hosea yeah. is that picture there. But every time that they would leave God to go to idols, that was one part of their prostitution. But then they would physically prostitute themselves in front of these gods because that was part of the worship of most of the idol worship was actual prostitution and fornication. So it was a two-part statement here. Okay, God's saying, you're going after them. You're leaving me, your husband, to serve these gods. You're in prostitution religiously, and then you're practicing this prostitution in the physical thing in their worship. So it's, a, it's just a huge issue with God. This isn't a minor thing that God is saying, uh, well, you know, this is just bad news. You're, you're spiritually, you're spiritually pros spiritual prostitutes. He's going, you're doing everything wrong. And this was going, obviously going on in the camp somewhere or just outside the camp, and God's saying, no more. No more. You will have no other gods before me or even with me. Not even just before me, but not even with. With me. And it says, this shall be a statute over them throughout their generation. So it was to always continue. And then as we know, we look through the scriptures. The, once they get into the, they don't even get into the promised land and they're already committing uh, acts with, with gods with, through Balaam getting, uh, telling the king to send his, the girls in to, to draw the guys out to, into prostitution and, and worshiping of gods and send in the good looking guys to get the girls. You know, don't even go to war with them. Just, you know, get them to fall in love with you and draw them into idol worship. Then we go into, we get into the, into the promised land and they're okay during the time of Joshua pushing them into conquest. Reminds me of coyotes. Coyotes walk down the street and try to get dogs out of their house. Yeah, right. Yeah. Female coyote. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we get into the book of Judges where the people do what's right in their eyes and they keep, they keep, they keep falling and worshiping other gods and God judges them and then they, bring, they call upon God. He brings a judge and they do okay for a little while and then they start doing what's right in their own eyes, which means to worship other gods. And... They fall, then we get into, they want a king. They bring in Saul, who seems to be a pretty good guy. They don't, there doesn't seem to be a lot of idolatry worshiped under Saul, but he's just a bad king. He does things that he's not supposed to. They replace him with David. They do okay during David's reign, but there is idolatry mm -hmm. running during David's reign, even though he doesn't allow it, he, that still he's going. We get to Solomon, 
Solomon brings it in full force as he gets his his over thousand women and, they, and all of them want their own temples to their gods built and not only does he build their temples he will go in and worship with them so he falls into idolatry then this kingdom is split and the northern kingdom starts calf worship golden calf worship and they will have golden calf worship all the way until the time that they are destroyed along with other idols and the southern kingdom will go up and down depending on who their king is and then God takes them, takes them out. So idol worship is going to be a problem with Israel for most of their existence. And even today in Israel, even though they don't have idols so much that they worship, most of the people that claim to be Jews in, in Israel are atheists. The majority of them are atheists or agnostic. They don't believe in the God of the Bible. So they're still not following after God yet, even though he's brought them, done the miraculous things, brought them into their land, gave them military victories, they still aren't following their God. And yet we can't be hard on them because we as Christians tend to fall into the same problems. We tend to, tend to do the same things. We look at things and say, how can I get myself out of this instead of how can God help me get through this? And we want to be so careful. And we look at how people spend their money and God says, you know, he wants, our, he wants our tithe, he wants our offerings, not because he needs them, but he wants us to learn to depend on him. And yet we will hold back our tithes and offerings. We will go, no, God, I need it. I'm afraid to give it to you because I'm just, you know, this, this 100% is too small, and I just can't believe that you can make the 90% 90, 90 stretch, and yet he does. Yet he does when we, when we open up and give it to him. It's so the one place where he says, prove me, is in the, in the area of money because money is so important to us in the flesh. And God says, this is the one area I know you're going to have trouble with. Give it to me and I will bless you. And it's our option. We can say, no, God, I'm not. And he'll, I believe that he takes it anyway, even if we don't. If we, you either give it to him freely or he takes it. Yeah. Uh, and when we give it to him freely, he blesses us. But the people are being challenged. You do not go after these gods. You cannot go after these gods because God is being very strong in his belief. Let's see, verse 8. And you shall, and you shall say unto them, Whoso, Whatsoever man there is of the house of Israel or a stranger that sojourns among you that offers a burnt offering or a sacrifice and brings it not to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation to offer it unto the Lord, even that man shall be cut off. All right, so here we go now. We're, we're saying anybody who makes a sacrifice and doesn't bring it to the tabernacle is going to be cut off, literally separated from the people and made that they no longer belong to the people. And we want to look at this. He says, whether they be of the house of Israel or a stranger living in there. Okay? So you're, you couldn't come to Israel and offer sacrifices to another God. You couldn't be in the camp of Israel and offer sacrifices to your God. Even if you were a temporary alien there, you were not allowed to do this. And he says, even, and it, and it goes into, if they offer a burnt sacrifice, and what's, what, what's, what are we, what's important about the burnt sacrifice? It all goes to God. It's all to God. It's total dedication, except for the skin. Total dedication to God. And then he goes, and besides that, offering any other sacrifice. Okay? Because in, the, in most of these religions, most of the stuff went to the God and was burnt completely. Uh, 
and some of it was taken out and meat and sent to meat markets. In the, in the Roman and, and Greek world, the, the best meats were the ones that were offered to the idols and they were sent down to the meat markets and sold. And that's where you get Paul telling people, you know, if you can eat the idols, meat offered to idols, it's no big deal because they're just blocks of wood and blocks of stone and gold. So it doesn't matter, you can eat it, but if it offends your brother, don't do it. You know, if your brother is weak, don't do it. You know, so if you went down and you bought the best, best rack of ribs from the, that had been offered you know, to Zeus, it didn't matter because it was just a, just a stone or golden idol, it didn't matter, but if it bothered your, 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 the person who was coming to your house, you weren't to do it. Yeah. Okay, but in here, the people weren't to even offer to these idols. And no matter which kind of offering it was, and it, even if they were a stranger, you couldn't come into Israel and do the and practice a religion that wasn't honoring God, or you would be cut off and sent out from the people. You did not have a place there. Verse 10, And whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel, or the stranger that sojourns among you, that eats any manner of blood, I will even set my face against him, that soul that eats the blood, and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the blood... Is, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I will give, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. All right, so here we go. Now we're getting very specific from God. He's saying the blood is so special to him that no one was to eat it. Okay, and to this day, blood has to be drained to be kosher to the Jews, completely drained. Uh, and that means they hang the beef for a long time, drain, draining the blood. And even in our bakery, in our in our butcher shops, they still drain the blood. Yeah, they, not the bakery, the butcher bakery. shops. <laughs> I corrected myself. They still drain the blood, and then they put this substance that looks like blood in it, which isn't blood. You know, it's yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, but that's what they do. But in this case, it says. If they eat the blood, any manner of blood, that God will set his face against them. That is a hard thing to think of. God putting his face against them to judge, to change everything in their life. You know, we want God's face to be with us for blessing, and this is not for blessing. This is to bring evil upon them because they have dared to take the blood, specifically here, sacrificial blood, but God is really, they pushed it all the way out. But here is God saying, any blood, that, you know, when you've got that sacrifice, that blood belongs to God. And remember, when we talked about the sacrifices, what did they do with the bulk of the blood? Do you remember? Down the, down the. Well, they sprinkled it on different places, and then what did they do with the remainder of the blood? It went down the drain. Down well, the in, the, in the temple mount it was, but before that they poured it to the side of the altar. Oh, that's right. Okay, it was always just poured to the side of the altar, which in a desert means that it kind of got absorbed by the sand. Uh, didn't pour anyway. When they, when they were in Jerusalem, it yes, they... <laughs> well, it would smell after a while. In Jerusalem, they had all that rock and everything, and they, and they, and they ran the drain that ran, ran down to the brook of Kidron. Well, my, my Bible says that it, uh, they, the priest shall dash the blood on the altar. Mm -hmm. Sprinkle it, is what it says, yeah. yeah. And then it says that they will be cut off. Why? Because the blood represents the blood of Jesus and, it, and, and will until he comes. And so the blood is special. 
the blood of the sacrifice that shows forth the picture of Jesus whose blood was, was presented to the Father in heaven, saying, here's my blood to pay for the sins of, this, of all these people. And this is a powerful thing. When Jesus died, he then became the high priest who took his blood to the, to the throne room of heaven with a, with a real altar that this is all a copy of. And the mercy seat and the throne of God sits upon the mercy seat, upon the, the ark that's in heaven. And Jesus presented the blood to God at the mercy seat of heaven mm. and saying, here's what I did. The people are forgiven. I've paid the price. If, they've accepted, if they'll accept my sacrifice, we accept them, Father, because of my sacrifice. And so the blood is important to every aspect of this. It cannot be taken lightly. And this is what God is saying. You will not eat the blood. If you, if you eat the blood, you will be cut off from the people. And if you cut off from the people of Israel is a very big picture of having your name removed from the book of life and sent away. All right? Because in the Jewish mentality, the book of life has a very specific role. In the book of life, everybody in the army's name was put in the book of life when they went out to war. And when they died in the battle their name was blotted out of the book of life. Okay? So your name was there until you didn't deserve to be there. And that's the way God is with the book of life for heaven. Everybody who's ever been born will have their name put in there. And when they reject Jesus Christ and they die in their sins, their name will be blotted out of the book of life and they'll stand before God with their name removed from the book of life to be sent to hell. So this is a very important step that God is saying, do not be cut off from the people. Do not do something that's going to get you cut off. And he says, for the life of the flesh. And this word life is very strange because this is one of the places where they use the word nefesh, which means soul, seated in motion, or breath. So the soul of the, and the life of that flesh is in the blood. And this is so precious for us. We're really learning how important the blood is to the body. And for the, during the medieval ages, and even through about the 1800s, when you got sick, they, they would attach leeches to suck the bad blood out of you and try to heal you. Some and in the process, trying to kill you. Some places still do that. Now, there are still places that are doing that, but anybody who's got any modern medicine is not doing that. Uh, but the life of the flesh is in the blood. He says, I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. The blood belongs on the altar to make atonement. And that we've talked about that. When we break it down, it means to make one with God, to make, to make one with him. And it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. Not the blood of the, the goats and the lambs and the bulls, but the final picture of the blood of Jesus will make an atonement for the soul. So this blood is actually a picture of the real sacrificial lamb in the future. Verse 12, Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, No soul shall eat blood, neither shall any stranger that sojourns among you eat blood. Whatsoever man there be of the children of Israel or strangers that sojourn among you that which hunts and catches any beast or fowl that may be eaten, ye shall even pour out the blood thereof and cover it with dust. All right, so here, here's the even picture now. Again, we're saying anybody, any Israelite, any, any alien that's living in your land will not eat blood. All right? And this is very important. None, nobody was allowed to eat it in, the, in Israel. 
I could not go to Israel and order my very rare steak that I like because they won't cook it that way. <laughs> Which means I'd have trouble in Israel because I don't like shoe leather steaks. Uh, so I would have trouble. I'd probably not want to order any steak. <laughs> uh, but it says, whosoever there be of the children of Israel, the strangers, which hunt and catch any beast or fowl that may be eaten, okay, which he's saying, remember we talked about clean and unclean animals. So it says, if you hunt and catch anything that's edible, that's allowed to be eaten, you shall pour out that blood onto the ground and cover it with dust. So that blood, the animal gave its life to give you life, mm -hmm. but you couldn't take the blood of that animal and eat it. You had to give it back to, give it back to God, even though it was a sacrifice of, you know, that's not, you didn't, this is not a kill for a sacrifice, but it still offered its life for you. And you gave the blood back to God by pouring it on the ground and then you covered it with dirt. And dirt has two representations in this, in this picture. One is that of death, but it also represents flesh because we as fleshly creatures were created from the dust of the earth. And Jesus, when he came to this world, had his blood contained in a body. And this is a picture that the blood, the animal gave its life, but it's not for the sacrifice. It was to be given back in, in a picture again of Jesus. That blood was to be a picture of being put in and covered with dirt the, the dust, the flesh. Very powerful picture of all, all of this, that the blood is poured out, it's covered. And it's not to be, you're not to go on and just kill animals for the sport. You, you know, and this is very clear that God's talking about. He's not just going out and killing animals for the sake of killing animals. He doesn't want us doing that either. Uh, when people go out and they do their trophy hunts and all they do is keep the the skins and heads of the animals and not eat the animal, there's problems with that. That is the wrong reason to kill an animal. Now, if you kill the animal and you eat, eat what you get from the animal and, and you want to make a trophy out of it, that's one thing, but not, not just to kill the animal. And even in America, in our early 18, 17, late 1700s uh, and early 1800s, when they were crossing the prairies and everything, they were indiscriminately killing the herds of animals because there were just so many animals that it, that it was hard for them to build roads and stagecoach routes and, and railroads. So they would, just, you know, they would just drive by and start shooting animals for the sake of killing them. Starve the Native Americans too? Well, I don't know if that was what they were doing. They were just trying to get rid of animals and they, they thought it was fun in one sense because it was lots of them there. And, you know, and, and that's a sad thing that they did. And they would kill. They would kill hundreds of them for no reason. And the Indians had a lot of trouble with that. They didn't mind you killing their killing the animals as long as you used the animal. And the Indians used every part of the animal. They they would use the skin and the tendons and even the bones to make things with. I mean, they used every part of the animal. So they really had a hard time with the white men coming across and just indiscriminately killing these herds of animals. And they talked about how the animals would thunder across the, the plains and you look in these valleys and from one end to the other you would have the nothing but you know a, a herd of, of uh, bison or buffalo and, and crossing the plain and making it thunder. Uh, and yet we came in and we killed so many of them because we didn't honor God. We weren't being good stewards of the land 
and it was not good. And, and to this day, we still have problems with being stewards of the land. Now, I'm not going to go as far as the, e the ecological movement and everything that says don't kill any animal, don't cut down any trees, don't, you know, don't do anything to this world because we're harming it. They're going too far because God said we were to have dominion. But that dominion wasn't to come in and strip everything from the land. And so we want to hold, hold it in balance. Hold it all in balance and, and renew, renew as much as we can, and yet we use. But God is saying that even your strangers were not to come in and indiscriminately kill these, you know, kill these animals and eat their blood. And if you did, you would be put, you would be set aside. Verse 14, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh of all flesh, the blood of it is for the life thereof. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, ye shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh, for the blood, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Therefore, whosoever shall eats it shall be cut off. God is pretty adamant here. He keeps mentioning it over and over. And the reason is, life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. Now, in a lot of the idolatry practice, they would eat blood and drink blood because they understood the life of that animal was in the blood and they... They thought by consuming that life that they were bringing life into their, into themselves. And this is, again, separation between God's people and what the world is doing. When they come into Canaan, they are so evil. They, are, they, are, they are, have had so much sexual deviancy that they are a very unclean people. Their, their practices with Moloch is, is going to be include blood drinking and all this stuff that goes on in their worship services. And God is saying, you are going to be different from the world. In e Egypt, they had many of the religions that drank blood. And God is saying, no, you're not going to do it. It's precious to me. The blood has a representation of my son's sacrifice. And, you, and it does bring life. Blood does bring life, but it's only Jesus' blood that brings us life. And it puts us, and he covers our sin. He covers us who we are. And he gives us life through his blood. So, you know, the blood is life. The blood is going to give us life. The blood is going to give us eternal life. But not by drinking the blood of animals. And that is prevalent in many of the religions out there. The, the, the sacrifices and, and shed, shed the blood. They would consume the blood as part of their rituals. Along with all the other sins that God says are not, not allowed. And so Satan is out there making counterfeits to everything that God does. And we've talked about this over and over. If God has got a rule in place, if God is doing something, Satan has counterfeits for it. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ is counterfeited in the way that they shed the blood of animals. And any time you have a religions that shed blood, tons of blood flows. It just it, it stinks. It, it flows. Uh, Cortez, when he was crossing the south in, in, in Central America, was sickened by the amount of blood being shed by the Aztec religions. And blood would flow down the walls from the top of these idol, from the top of these pyramids and, and temples. And it flowed. And that's a lot of blood when you think about it. You talked about the temple in Egypt, in, in Israel, and it talks about one, one particular Passover where they killed. I think it was 100 or 200,000 lambs and the blood flowed and the Kidron 
the brook of Kidron ran red because so much blood had been shed. As a human, we have about nine pints. Huh? I think our body has about nine, ten, nine pints. Or I don't. Re I, have, I don't remember at all. We don't have a whole lot in it for the size that we are, but there is a lot of blood that can, can quarts, move. Maybe it's nine quarts. Nine yeah. quarts nine, nine quarts might be, I don't remember. But you die long before you totally bleed out. So it's, you, you lose enough blood, you will, you will die. Yeah. I, I didn't like that, <laughs> the killing of the, the slaughterhouse thing. I, I, didn't go, I didn't like that apartment. Yep. All right, verse 15, and every soul that eats that which died of itself or that was torn of the beast, whether it be one, one of your own or a stranger, he shall both wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until evening. Then shall he be clean, but be washed not, nor bathe his flesh. Then he shall bear his iniquity. Now, the problem with eating the things that died of their own accord or that were torn by beast is if we go back to Exodus 22, hmm. we're going to see that God had already forbidden it. Yeah. So it's a sin for them to do that in the first place. 22, verse 31. And ye shall be holy men unto me, neither shall you eat any flesh that is torn of beast in the field, Ye shall cast it to the dogs. So they weren't even allowed to do this. I mean, it's already been forbidden. And in Deuteronomy, when he repeats the law, he'll say the same thing. If it dies of its own accord or is torn by other animals, you are not to eat it. And the reasons for this are we know nowadays are pretty simple. If an animal dies on its own, it very likely is sick. <laughs> Unless it dies of old age, but you don't usually know whether it's dying of old age or it's sick. And most of the diseases that an animal can contract, if we eat them, can be passed on. Mm -hmm. Okay, not all of them, but a big majority of them. And then if it's torn by beast, we have the issue of that it's a possibility of rabies. That it died, died because usually a beast, when it kills another beast, unless you drive it off, is going to eat, the, eat the, what they kill. Animals don't usually kill without being hungry and eating the food. And so this is what God's saying. You're not to eat it. And if you do, you're to wash your clothes, you're to go into your isolation period for that day, you're to <laughs> take your bath, and you're unclean until the evening. And if you don't do that, he says, you're going to bear your iniquity. You sinned and you're going to bear that iniquity on because it's a sin. And this is where God is at right now. He's bringing this up and he's saying, you can't do these things. You've got to live, and f live for me. You've got to be obedient. You're going to be different from the rest of the world. Because the rest of the world, the, the, the animals in your flock were pretty, pretty valuable. So if one died, you just said, okay, we're going to eat it. And it makes perfect sense, you know, in their day and age, you know, that if you didn't see your animal sick, you would just say, okay, I'm going to eat it because it was great value to us. If it's torn by animals, same thing. You're gonna, you want to eat it because you're not going to waste it. And God's saying, no, you're not. For, for, now, he knows it's for our health reasons. They don't understand that God just forbid it. And in their minds, and we do the same thing so often, God, why would you tell me to do that? It makes no sense. Well, God knows what he's talking about. We need to be very careful when we try to say, God, you don't know what you're talking about. It makes no sense. 
it may not make sense to me. It did not make sense to Israel why they could not eat an animal that just died on its own accord or was torn, by animal, you know, torn up by animals. It made no sense to them. But God had a reason behind it, and we know it. God will oftentimes tell us not to do things. God is telling his people throughout the scriptures for abstain from fornication, abstain from adultery. And then we look at what happens when you don't abstain from, from those things. We look at the trans, sexually transmitted diseases. We look at the, the problems that have come along with joining souls with other people that you have no intention of being joined joined with and yet your soul attaches at a very at a at a level that attaches you in ways that you don't want to be attached and God says these are all important don't do these things be different and Satan comes along and he says same thing teenagers say to mom and dad you just don't want me to have any fun you just want me to be you know be your slave and just do things because you're afraid I'm going to have you know, fun if I do these things. And we're saying, no, we want you to be protected. God's saying, no, I want you to be protected. Don't go out and disobey God because you want to have fun. You want to stretch the stretch this. You want to see how, how close to the edge. And this is the problem we have a lot of times is we want to see how close to sin can we get without sinning. You know, how many, how many drinks can I take before I become drunk, God? You know, how many, can I take one? Can I take two? You know, can I drink the entire case of wine, uh, the entire case of beer, God, and not be drunk? You know, how close can I, what can I do and not be sex with somebody? How close can I get to the edge, God, before I've crossed the line? And we hear that all the time from people trying to push it as close as they can to, to the sin. How close can I get without breaking it? And our attitude should be, God, I don't want to even get close. I don't want to even get close enough to be tempted to do this. And we want to be so careful at all times about this that God says, be different. Abstain from all appearance of evil, we're told in the New Testament. And that is something that we want to be careful of. You know, the, the Christian probably shouldn't be hanging around at the bar, even if they're drinking a Coke or 7-Up or, or whatever, because there's an appearance of evil. Now, that doesn't mean we can't do it, but it's not the best thing for us to be doing. The, the, the Christian shouldn't be hanging out at the whorehouse, you know, even if, I'm just looking, God, I'm not participating. <laughs> I'm just the you know, I'm just I'm just looking at them. I'm not participating in that. You know, and and God is saying we are to be different. We are to be righteous. We are to be holy. We're to represent Him in all that we do. And if we if we hang around sinners and sinful things, we eventually will will participate. Do you think the girl just wants money for drugs or an abortion? Sometimes. Just, they want to have fun. <laughs> yeah, it depends. Usually they get trapped for other reasons in it. And let's close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have of studying. Lord, we actually ask you to help us to go forward and to serve you. Lord, help us to know to to listen to your voice, to abstain from evil, to to stand up, to be different. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.